Peace and many blessings. Welcome back to another episode of the A1 Podcast. I'll be your host, Brother Tariq. Um, I want to start off first by um, making a retraction. On the last episode, I said it was uh, 1.2 or 2 billion, but I wasn't sure about that. I did a little research today, and I found out that the indigenous people spend over $1.2 trillion a year. Now, some publications had it at, you know, like 2.5, 2.9, and then another one said all minority groups account for about $3.9 trillion a year. But I know we spend, as a community, 1.2 or better a year. And with that also being said, you know, each one of us, as a, as a group, you know, as a, as a group, our median household income is $1,700 for a year. That's not, that's not saying much, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's very low. That's well below the poverty line. That's for a family, you know, whether it's man and woman or woman and her kids or man and his kids. That's, that's well below the poverty line. Mind you, the poverty line is at 25000 a year, right? But anyway, building off the premise of the show um, and some of what we touched on last week or in the last episode, because I know it's only been a couple of days, um, I want to talk about, you know, the black elite, the select 10, or the gatekeepers, as some would call them. These are the people who stand as a stopgap in between indigenous people, you know, and their frustrations with uh, the the overall society, white supremacy, right? Whereas when we say, well, we're not getting our fair shake in a certain industry, they can always point to one, you know, some will call them token Negroes, you know what I'm saying? That is, um, that's in the industry and that seems to be doing well. You know, those that handpick, you know, indigenous people that want to toe the line and, uh, willing to um, go along to get along, so to speak. So with that, you know, I brought four names up just to, you know, kind of give you an idea of of how this goes, you know what I'm saying, and how deep it is, because it's been going on, you know, since the Reconstruction era. But we're going to get to that later on in the episode, right? So... First, I want to talk about Oprah, right? Since she's been in the news a lot lately with her and her homegirl, Gail King, with their their open hatred and war on black males, or excuse me, indigenous males, right? Whether it's, you know, inviting strippers to her show, but, um, you know, boy, basically showing no support for uh, male hip-hop artists what, whatsoever, whatever... Whatever the reason was back then, she would rather have an adult film star on her show than actually have a hip hop artist on her show. Well, you know, that's a prerogative a lot of people would say, you know. She has a lot of influence. That's what made her all her money. Well, I would argue that's not what made her all her money. What made her all her money was, you know, going along with the overall agenda, which was to separate the black man from the black woman or the indigenous man or the Asiatic man, the Asiatic woman, right? Like, give you a couple examples. You know, and don't forget, Monique. Monique was just going off about her not too long ago. 
but everybody thought Monique was just crazy and she was hating. You know what I'm saying? Because she don't got the the kind of finances that Oprah has. You know what I mean? But when you when you break it down over the years, matter of fact, we ain't even gotta go that far back. We could just deal with with what happened recently, right? First, back in the I want to say late '90s, Oprah did a interview with Michael Jackson while he was alive. You know, talking about how they friends and she don't believe he would molest a little boy. Da da da. My man been in the ground for a couple of years now. She want to do a Neverland documentary, basically pointing the finger at him like he he's a pedophile. So you know that's not a one off thing. You know she get a homegirl to eat up R. Kelly. Uh, now. R. Kelly definitely, definitely been having some problems, but, you know, he's one of those people in that industry where they all kind of do, do some, like, outrageous things to, to children, right? Not saying that it excuses anything, but I'm just saying, he's, he's one of many, and as long as she's been in the entertainment industry, I'm pretty sure she knows more, but, you know, she's not going to speak on them. She'll, she'll go try to make a a documentary about Russell Simmons knowing that he got acquitted. You know what I'm saying? Past polygraphs and everything. But she ain't going to say nothing about her homeboy, Harvey Weinstein. She ain't going to say nothing about Jeffrey Epstein. You know what I mean? She she would never speak up on a, or speak out against a Caucasian man doing the same things that some of these um, Asiatics was accused of. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it's a difference between being accused and proven guilty. A lot of these guys, these Caucasians, be just playing out guilty. You know what I mean? Now, like I said, guys like R. Kelly and Bill Cosby, hey, you know what I'm saying? Them cats, if they're guilty, they need to go to jail. You know what I mean? But that still doesn't excuse the fact that she waited till after Michael Jackson was dead to talk about him. Doesn't excuse the fact that she tried to attack Russell Simmons when he got off. And it doesn't, it doesn't excuse the fact that she sent her homegirl to, to tarnish Kobe Ryan's legacy after he just recently died and he can no longer defend himself. But that's just one. That's just one of the gatekeepers. Because you got to remember, um, Ms. Winfrey, she's worth uh, over a billion dollars, right? Think about this. She's, she's supposedly from Chicago. Chicago's been hit hard for many, for many years, especially, especially our people, right? What has Oprah Winfrey done for the people in Chicago? Better yet, since she's a, a, a champion feminist, and I'm going to deal with that in another episode, but um, since she's a champion feminist, right, what has she done for the females and the young, young Asiatic sisters or indigenous sisters in Chicago? I'll wait. Exactly, nothing. Straight silence. Because she don't do nothing for, she she's not going to do nothing for for us here in the Americas. You know what I'm saying? She's just going to point her finger and talk down about us as a people, especially the males. You know, she's a male hater. She's a male basher. That's why she ain't got no kids. But that's another story. So then we got other people that you know, like uh, Jesse Jackson. There, it's all good for them to sell us out whenever they. Whenever it's appropriate for them, you know what I mean? Whenever whenever they about to line their pocket or whatever, you know, they, they turn against what's what's best for all of us as a group, as a nation, to for them you know, to just act for themselves. 
and it's ill because, you know, they'll flip-flop right in your face. And most people won't catch it because you're just so happy to see somebody who looks like you in a position of power. So you just kind of go along with the BS that they throw at you, right? Because, I mean, you know, in 1971 through 1977 or so, money was talking about how he was opposed to abortions. Then in 1984, my man running for president now, all of a sudden he wants he wants to be for abortions, right? So now he's for abortions. And that's funny to me, you know what I'm saying? Because what's the number one killer of black people? What's the number one pe- what's the no- number one killer of indigenous people in America? <coughs> no, it's not gun violence. No, it's not HIV. The number one killer of indigenous people in America is HIV. I mean, not HIV, excuse me. It's abortion. And that's right. The number one killer of African Americans, indigenous people, Asiatics in America is abortion. And the good reverend, right? Think about it. He's a reverend. How can a reverend be for abortion? Well, because it it benefited him when he ran for president. So, obviously, he didn't... His morals didn't matter when he when it came to that dollar. He'd tell a black girl real quick, you know, go ahead and get an abortion. You know what I mean? That's just another example of somebody turning turning on all of us for the for their own good. You know what I'm saying? He didn't care about how many generations that he destroyed or hurt with that. It was all about a quick dollar. And the funny part is, I know um, some people don't believe some of the things I'm saying. But a lot of this stuff you can go ahead and look up for yourself. You know what I mean? You can research this. 1971 through late 70s, he was talking about how abortion was going to destroy our community. And he didn't like how they were, all these clinics were always in uh, predominantly Asiatic neighborhoods. They were readily accessible just like the liquor store, right? But then he he flip-flopped. You know what I'm saying? That's That's just another one. That's number two. Let's talk about um, your man, you know, the good Reverend Al Sharpton. My man always want to march. You know what I'm saying? He's a marcher. He's going he's gonna to show you a thing or two, right? Did you know that it's been alleged that by the um, National Association of African American Media Group that he's a stopgap between them suing uh, these media conglomerates that don't want to let um, the indigenous people have a a share of the media market. It's been alleged that my man, he was receiving 750000 a year for a total of $3.8 million to go ahead and say that there's no um, racial bias going on in, in their business practices. But this is the good Reverend Al Sharpton. Your grandma love him. Ain't nothing wrong with Al Sharpton. Now, don't you talk about grandma's Al Sharpton. But he's just another one you know what I'm saying? Who threw us under the bus just to make a dollar. You notice they don't call neither one of them Reverend no more, right? Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton, right? It's just our good old pal Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. You know what I mean? And neither one of those cats did anything for um, us except talk about let's have a march. Plus, don't forget, Jesse Jackson had something to do with uh, Martin Luther King getting shut up, getting set up to get shot. You know what I'm saying? But hey, you know, you forget it if you want to trust that cat. You know, but then let's move on to another one. Even I think an even more blatant 
and um, probably is going to affect you even more for longer generations, right? And that's Miss Sheila Jackson Lee, right? She's a representative of Texas, not even an American-born indigenous, right? Who wants to go ahead and knock down on the ADOS movement, right? And whether you agree with their movement or not, the fact that it can it, it can have your family um, receiving monetary payments for generations to come, you know what I'm saying, for the people that were um, originally on this side of the, um, the diaspora are born in this, are they, their bloodline traces back before the, the um, colonizers came over here and started forcing their, their slavery on us. She sat there and she hopped up in 2000, I want to say 2017, and tried to piggyback off a, um, off a motion, H.R. Um, House Bill Reform uh, 40, that was actually started in 1986 by Representative John Connor, right? Now, in 1986, he wanted this bill to come out and he wanted to steady the effects of slavery, Jim Crow, and uh, mass incarceration on, on our people. Now, he, he brought that bill to, to the floor every year until he died in 2019, right? So, in 2017, she hopped up and took the baton like it was her bill. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was her champion cause, right? But that right there is not the, the real problem. See, the real problem is most people in Congress, they know the laws that were enacted before them, right? Now, while Mr. Connors started, started that movement in 1986, Ronald E. Reagan... He signed the Civil Liberties Bill in the act into, um, into effect in 1988. And all that did was give the uh, Japanese people twenty to $40,000 um, a year for, I, I believe it's a year, for being in internment camps during World War II because they felt it was unjust, right? So we're not going to sit here and say that uh, America has never paid reparations for any injustices because they sure paid them. They ain't even bad eye how quick they paid them. So you think about that. So then you have to go back, right? You, you go further back. Mind you, this, these are already on the books. These, these laws are already on the books. You got the Freeman Act or the Freeman Bureau, right, which was established in, in um, 1865 after the Civil War. Now, the Freeman Bureau was, was established to help with the reconstruction to guarantee that the newly free slaves, refugees and aboriginal peoples of this land will be guaranteed a, a fair shake in business and at a, at a fair chance at life, right? And it was enforced. The barrel, the barrel on the books lasted for a year, but they said they closed in 1871 or something like that, right? So during that time of reconstruction they also passed a bill called the Civil Rights Act in 1866. It, it was voted on 1865, but it didn't pass until 1866, right? So when this bill passed, it paved the way for um, us to get um, and to get like um, up to from 40 to 100 acres, right? Even though most of us didn't get them, it went to the, the $5 Indians, you know, the ones from the Dole's Act. Those uh, the Caucasians who saw the benefit of pretending to be an indigenous person, 
so they can capitalize off that. But that's another story. We'll we'll dig into that. But that you know that's something you can look up. So they took our land by pretending to be us because they paid five dollars to be on that list. And then the rest of us, the ones of us who actually were able to get the land, um, formed communities like Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? Now with Tulsa, Oklahoma, and any other community like Wilmington, North Carolina, Atlanta, uh, Harlem, with the in these communities, we begin to um, our economics begin to boom. So much so that the Caucasians they became jealous, and that's why it's important that you remember that over one point two trillion dollars that we spend with them. See what I'm saying? Because we are a mean economic engine. And that's another reason why they tore down your self-identity. You know what I mean? Go back to, like I said last time, white ice is colder than black ice. You know what I'm saying? And this, this is a fact. That they went ahead and watched us build a, a black Wall Street. That made more money than their Wall Street. It would, had white people living poor and just being upset because... Their business, nobody was patronizing their business. They weren't, uh, they weren't making any capital. So they started a race riot, right? Not only did they start a race riot, the government, they still deny it to this day, but they dropped a bomb on Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, you know, for all my people from the 70s who think the Gap Band is just talking about, you know, some girl, they're actually talking about the bomb that was dropped on Black Wall Street. You understand what I'm saying? And like I said, you you know, you don't have to believe anything I say or, or, or take it, you know, on face value when you can go ahead and look it up yourself. But this is why you cannot trust celebrities. Celebrities, they make money. They're here to push product. You know what I'm saying? They are not, um, in the words of the late great Dick Gregory, actors and sport um, and athletes are not are not leaders. They're not leaders for change. They don't know anything about economics. They don't know anything really about civics. So you cannot follow uh, whatever LeBron James says. You know what I'm saying? Don't hate the man. But, you know, I noticed during the pandemic, my man trying to sell sneakers. Half the people half the people are furloughed, you know, from their jobs. If their job ain't closed down and they just lost their job. But you get on IG and want to sell sneakers. You kind of hurt me with that, bro, because I, I, I really like dude. But, you know, that that's that's one. Um, my man Puffy got... Almost as much money as God, and he he started a school, but it's not a private school. He got a government-run school, just to say that he got a school. So basically, the children are still being indoctrinated. But on face value, it looks good. It looks like philanthropy, right? So it looks like it makes people wanna, you know, kind of gravitate towards them. But it's more self-serving. You feel me? A lot of these cats, you know, they just in your face and they trying to make a stink like they care. But they really don't. Like, you know, uh, I'm looking at uh, Floyd Mayweather. I just read today he wanted to pay for George Floyd's uh, funeral, right? But what's what's really behind it? Because he has so much bad press with the um, Asiatic community over the years about how he didn't care because he had money. Now, all of a sudden, like, you know, he's supposed to have a change of heart. Nah, man, these people are business people. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they know how to try to. Um, they, they kind of pretty much master trickery. But at the end of the day, the point about them being the the um the gatekeepers is if you don't play ball and play nice with them, 
you know, they're not going to put in a good word for you with their overseers or their masters. So they try to shut you down. You know what I'm saying? You ain't going to play ball. You ain't going to play nice. So they don't want to see you, you know, they don't want to see you shine. Basically, they, what they do is they stamp you as a safe Negro or a threat. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the majority of us are, are sick and tired, as you see by the protests. So most of us are threats. So then you kind of get the feeling like, man, somebody got it out for me. Nah, it's, it's some of those, you know, turncoats. You know what I mean? Those who will do anything to get by for the right amount of money. You know what I mean? And that's that's a shame. But the reality is, everything I just told you is a fact. You know what I'm saying? From my research. And um, it kind of it kind of gets depressing sometimes when we're trying to make a movement. But at the same time, it's like this. In order to move forward, you have to move with like minds. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, like minds, they, they show rather than tell. So, you know, when you're spending when you're spending um your money in the community with your own, trying to make it circulate for more than, I want to say, I think they said it was uh, 18 hours. When you're trying to make it last longer than 18 hours and you're trying to start more um, Asiatic institutions and, and things of that nature to build up your community and not be um, not not be the stereotype that they say you are, right? Because remember, they always said black people can't work together. Uh, that's false. Look at Black Wall Street. Anytime we work together, we're very prosperous. You see, they also firebombed the move. Um, I want to say the move movement up in Philadelphia. You know what I'm saying? I live right here in North Carolina. I bet a lot of North Carolinians don't even know what happened in Wilmington, North Carolina about how the armed white men ran up in a city hall and demanded them co the contracts that them uh, Asiatics was getting. They they were so sick of seeing them be prosperous, seeing them have more money than them and bus companies and cab companies and things of that nature. They were sick. They actually ran in to a government building with guns and forced those elected officials to change their vote. So again, man, you know, hopefully, hopefully I, I opened your eyes to some things around you, you know, and, and hopefully you'll look at these celebrities a little different when you see them on IG, Twitter, Facebook, or whatever, whatever, and just notice that they just... They're just like car salesmen, man. They're just really trying to sell you something. But uh, do your research. Look into everything. You know, and don't trust anything at face value, man. And and do your research on the people that's in your face trying to say that they want to help you or trying to say something's for you. Because if it comes from ca um, Caucasian money, then it can't be for you. Fun fact, did you know the NAACP was started by Jewish people? Another fun fact, did you know that BET is not black-owned, it's Jewish-owned? You see what I'm saying? So all that foolishness that you see in your face, when they say BET or NAACP, those are people that are already brought and paid for. So don't take advice from people that brought and paid for. Take, take advice from people who, who are in the struggle or been through the struggle like you and just want to see our people come up. And, and live a, a a decent quality of life where they and their children can be happy. So always peace and many blessings. I hope I find um I hope I leave you in a better but excuse me I hope I 
leave you in a better place than I found you in. Until next episode, I'm out.